The Melting Pot. Hosted by Dominic Munkas. Hello and welcome to the Melting Pot podcast. Today I'm talking to Alex Kerulf. It's Danish and it's difficult to say. Alex is the Chief Happiness Officer at an organisation called Woohoo. And he's on a mission to make us all work in happier workplaces or be happier at work. Author of a number of books. He's got a TEDx talk, which is fantastic, and I'll put in the show notes. His book that came out a few years ago, Happy Hour is 9 to 5, controversially, and we'll talk a little bit about this in the interview, he thinks it's our responsibility to ensure that we're happy at work, not just our employers. And we'll talk a little bit about some of the lessons from his new book, Leading with Happiness. And he's got some great advice for managers who want to manage and to increase happiness at work. So here's Alex. My name is uh, Alexander Kjord, and I'm the chief happiness officer of a company called Woohoo. We're based in Copenhagen, Denmark, and we make people happy at work. Uh, we actually, we just celebrated our 15th company anniversary. We've been around for 15 years. And we make people happy at work. We, we travel the world and we teach companies how to become happier workplaces where people actually like to work. Alex, that's fantastic. How do you measure that? How you measure happiness? Yeah. Well, there are, there, are, there are two fundamental ways you can do that. One of them is the survey, right? You could do a happiness at work survey and you can get your, your staff to take that survey and that'll teach you something about how happy they are. And that's a, that's a pretty good way to do it. And, and the other way is, of course, I mean, if you're a manager of an organization, you should know. <laughs> you should be in touch enough with your employees that you actually know how the hell they feel about their jobs. Maybe not, you know, second to second or minute to minute, but at least, you know, on an overall basis. If, if you're, you know, a, a manager worth your salt, a leader, a CEO worth your, your paycheck, you should know how people are doing. You should be in touch enough with your organization that you can actually tell if people are happy at work or if every single person there hates their life, their job, and you as a person. What model do you use in terms of return on investment or, I suppose, return on happiness? What, mm -hmm. what, how do you think about the financial implications of getting this right or, or wrong? Well, there, there, is, there is zero doubt from the research that happy companies make more money. And, and this has been shown in, in so many studies. So we know that when, a, when an organization is happy, we know that productivity is higher. Happy employees do more work in the same amount of time. We know that happy employees are more creative and innovative. So if a company needs to constantly reinvent itself, you know, it can much better do that when employees are happy. We know that in happy organizations, uh, absenteeism is lower, which can save you a ton of money. We know that uh, employee turnover is lower. This is not exactly a mystery, right? If people like their jobs, they will stay longer in that workplace. And, and right now, there is a real war for talent going on. Uh, so many workplaces around the world are telling me that it's getting harder and harder to find qualified people and to hold on to the qualified people they have. So, so for these reasons and, and many, many more, we know for a fact that happy companies make more money. And I think that's why companies around the world are so interested in this topic right now. And the people that you talk to, the companies you talk to are struggling 
to attract and retain talent. By their very nature, I guess they are happy companies or companies who want to be happy. So your sample isn't those at the other end of the spectrum <laughs> where it's miserable. That's that's very true. I mean, there are there are absolutely horrible, toxic workplaces out there that would never even consider hiring us because their worldview is is not based on happiness at all. Almost based on the opposite, right? I have I'm I'm being perfectly serious here. I have heard business leaders say that if their staff is happy, they're not working hard enough. For, for so many people, their model of success in business is based on suffering. And the harder you work and the more you suffer and the more you sacrifice the rest of your life for your career, that's their model, the, the, the more successful you will be. That model is, of course, completely wrong. Uh, it actually turns out that people who are happy at work are, on average, uh, more successful in business. But for so many people and for so many companies, uh, happiness is just not part of their worldview and 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 that's what we're trying to change we're trying to make companies realize that it's not as a business it's not like you have to choose between you know a good bottom line and a happy workplace quite the contrary in fact if, if you have a happy workplace it'll be good for the bottom line and do you draw distinction between happiness and engagement is the have you picked happiness because it's it's an emotive word, whereas engagement feels a bit like satisfaction or... That depends on what definition of engagement you look at. And, and there, are, there are several. If you look at, uh, I think the, the most popular is probably Gallup's definition of engagement. And if you look at theirs, it's very, very much, it's very closely related to, to happiness. Because it is about how people feel about their jobs. It's their uh, emotional experience of being, being engaged in the work they do. Um, so I actually think that that in, in many ways, the way they define it is very similar to how we talk about happiness. I would say the, the main distinction we make is between happiness and satisfaction because satisfaction at work or job satisfaction or employee satisfaction is very rational. It's, it's a very logical thing, right? You, you sit down and you evaluate all your job circumstances and you rationally, logically decide if you're satisfied or not. And it turns out that's a very poor uh, measure and doesn't correlate well with uh, ultimately with business success. So, so we say job satisfaction is what you think about your job, while happiness at work is what you feel about your job. You know, on, on, a, on a daily basis, how does work make you feel? Not second to second. It's not like you could be happy at work every second of every day. That, w- that would be weird, <laughs> right? But, but just this, you know, or, or, you know, do you spend most of your days at work feeling pretty good? Like, you know... I like the work I do. I'm appreciated for it. Uh, my work is meaningful. I like the people I work with, and I come home most days feeling like today was a good day. That's what we're talking about here. It's what you feel about your job. The question I have for you is, is I know when we've spoken in the past, one of the things that you said is that it's not just the employer's job. The employee also has some skin in the game. You know, it's, it's your responsibility to be happy at work. That, on the face of it, seems a little odd. Perhaps you could Explain a bit more about that to me. Sure. I believe that, that fundamentally each and every one of us is responsible for our own life, right? I mean, who can be responsible for your life except you? And I think the same goes for your work life. Ultimately, you are responsible for your own happiness in life and your own happiness at work. This is not, of course, there are many things that influence your happiness in life and your happiness at work. But ultimately, the responsibility for doing something about it if you are not happy at work is yours. So the way we look at it in the workplace is that 
of course, you know, managers and, and bosses and, and CEOs have a huge responsibility for creating good workplaces where it's easy to be happy. And as a, and as a manager, as a leader, you can definitely do that. You can also do the opposite, right? You can, you can create horrible, horrible, toxic cultures where it's almost impossible to be happy. But within that framework, within the, the you know, whatever uh, structure is created by leadership in the company, it's still up to each and every one of us to do what we can to create a better workplace. So, so I often get the question, you know, who's responsible for happiness at work? Is it the leaders or the employees? And the answer is yes. It, it's both, right? Leaders cannot do it alone. Employees cannot do it alone. It, you know, the workplace, the culture is something each and every one of us creates together. And the cool thing here is that there are so many things we can all do. Of course, if you're the CEO, you have, you know, as, as you've done in, in, in your organization, you have wider degrees of freedom. You have more budget. You have more freedom. There are more things you can do. And, and therefore, I think you have a greater responsibility. It's like, like they said in the Spider-Man movie, right? With great power comes great responsibility. But even as, a, even as a perfectly regular employee, there are so many things you can do to make yourself and the people you work with happier. Um, and that's why we see it as a shared responsibility. And that, that ultimately, if, if I'm an employee somewhere, my, my happiness at work is my responsibility. And for instance, if I, if I find myself in a workplace where I just, I cannot be happy in this workplace, it is ultimately my responsibility to, to quit and, and, and find a new job where I can be happy. No, nobody else can do that for me. That is a responsibility I have to shoulder for myself. It's an easy trap to fall into to say, you know, I hate my job, my boss is a jerk, my coworkers are mean, the work I do is boring or stressful, woe is me, you know, I'm powerless, I can't do anything. But you can do something, and I'm not saying this is easy. None of this is easy. Quitting a job is not easy. It is one of the hardest decisions you can, you can make in your lifetime. But sometimes it's, it's just necessary, and nobody can make that decision for you except you. And that's why, that's why, again, each of us must take responsibility for our own lives instead of just waiting and, and falling into that, that role of victimhood. Woe is me, poor me, uh, I'm powerless, I can't do anything. Every, it's everybody else's fault that I'm suffering. Alex, what, what model do you have? Where, where, do, where does it start? Can you, can you start by putting in a pool table and free snacks? Or, or, do, you, or do we... <laughs> Do we go to the other end and, and we have to be a purpose-led business? Can you start anywhere on that spectrum? No. Do you have a preference? What's... Yes. I would, I would say that, that all of that, that highly visible stuff that, that many organizations focus on is nearly pointless. You know, all of the, the foosball tables and the dartboards and, the, you know, that, all of that stuff, perks and, 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 and all that is, is pointless. Uh, because that's not what makes people happy at work. I think that creates a lot of satisfaction, but very, very little happiness if you look at the at, at the research. And I see so many companies trying it. You know, they they that's I think that's that's one of the one of the things that frustrates me the most is seeing these organizations that genuinely want to be good workplaces, but the way they try to do it is you know let's put a gym in the office and that will make our employees happy, or let's give them. Uh, free fruit or let's give them free coffee or whatever and all those things are nice there's nothing wrong with them but it's it's uh, in my opinion it's very nearly a waste of time and, and money so what you got to do this is our model happiness work comes from results and relationships that's what you got to give your people and by results we mean this feeling that they're good at their jobs 
and that the, the work they do is meaningful. It's actually making a positive difference for someone somewhere, be that the clients or the customers or the society or environment or the economy or the, even their coworkers or whatever. But just this feeling that I'm good at what I do and what I do matters for somebody. That's results. And then relationships is this feeling that you are valued as a person, uh, not just as a worker, not just as a resource, but you're actually valued in the workplace as a human being. And you have good relationships with your coworkers, with your boss, maybe even with the clients or the customers or whatever. But just this feeling that, that I belong in the workplace. And I think research very convincingly shows that those are, it's not the only thing that matters for our happiness at work, but there are two main things that matter. And, and if you have a workplace with every single perk you can imagine, but you don't give people results relationships, I can guarantee you they're going to be miserable. It's funny, isn't it? I go into organizations a lot and there are two things people never complain about. The employees never say, man, I get so much praise here. It's almost embarrassing. I am, I am overpraised, and nobody has ever said to me, the thing with management, if they just stop communicating, mm -hmm. they're just telling me what's going on all the time. And so, you know, that fits well with your model there, that whole, you know, am I doing a good job and, and am I getting feedback? Am I make, are we making a difference? Am I making a difference? Yes. Positive feedback is, is a really interesting thing in this, in this regard. And, and I always tell companies, if you could only do one thing, you know, there are many things you can do to create a happier workplace. But if you could only do one thing, I would say start with positive feedback, praise and recognition. Because first of all, it's very rare. It's very rare in most workplaces. In fact, a lot of people complain about the opposite where you said, you know, I never get any positive feedback no matter how good of a job I do. And, and secondly, it's incredibly powerful for making people happy at work because it creates both results and relationships. If you praise me for the good work I've done, it shows me that I've, I've made a difference, I've contributed value, gives me that feeling of results. But I think what's even more powerful is it shows that you've seen me, you've seen my positive qualities, you've seen something good in me, and you care enough about me to actually tell me about it. And that's very, very powerful for creating relationships. So for those reasons, I think positive feedback is the most powerful thing you can do to create a happier workplace. Well, I think actually, isn't the, isn't the Gallup question in the Gallup Q12, it's did you receive praise in the last seven days? Yes. I've actually seen organizations change that to six months. That's so because, sad. Because, <laughs> because they, were, they, they were scoring so poorly. Wow. Um, or they just didn't have a culture of praise. And you think, well, wow, it doesn't cost anything. No, that's the thing about positive feedback is that it, it takes no time. It costs no money. It does take a bit of an effort because you got to you, you have to actually see people. Right. And you have to, you know, you have to know them well enough that you can actually and know their work well enough that you can actually give them meaningful positive feedback. Not just you're awesome, but here's what I saw you do that was really good or that I really appreciated or that really made a, a difference for the company or for this customer or whatever. Yeah, I, I, it's the saddest thing ever that so few companies do it well. How do you feel about the concept of a, a purpose-led organization? I love it. And, and I think all, all companies should be purpose-led. More than anything else, a company needs a vision that is, that is inspiring, that is positive, and that is about something bigger than the organization itself. Because what that does is that as, as an employee working in this organization, 
you know that you're working towards a positive vision. You know that you're working for working to create a uh, a positive change in the world. Of course, a lot of organizations don't really have a positive vision. They have goals. So like our goal is to increase revenue by revenues by 1.8% in this fiscal quarter. That's a that's a fine and noble goal, but is that inspiring? You know, does anybody get up in the morning excited about creating fiscal growth of 1.8%? No, hell no. People get up excited about, you know, creating a better world or improving the environment or whatever. Um, and that's that's what a company must have. I, 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 saw, I saw a great example. We have a, a partner company in Serbia, an IT company called Vega IT Sourcing, uh, started by two, uh, two men called Sasha and Vladan. They're awesome. Uh, 135 employees. And their company vision is uh, we want to create a happy and successful company so we can use its success and power to create a better world. Isn't that and amazing? It is. And what, how do they, do they define anything like that? Do they, do yeah. they have any? Yeah, they, they, they've, they've done a lot of cool things. So for instance, they worked so hard to, uh, so they work in IT and they've done a lot of cool things to sort of stimulate the entire IT and tech ecosystem in Serbia. They've done conferences and events. They do uh, all these seminars and meetings. They've sponsored education, IT education for young people. So that's that's one part of it. Another part of it is also improving the city they, they're in. They're in Novi Sad, which is the second biggest city in Serbia. So they've done tons of charity events, charity runs to help different uh, noble causes in their city, which I think is amazing. And all of that you know, means that as an employee of, of Vega, you can work there with pride because you know that you're not just padding the bottom line. You're actually helping create a better and, and happier world. Um, and I think that's just fantastic. Look, you see loads of companies all over the world. Mm-hmm. What's, what's another cool example? My favorite example of a company with a positive vision is Patagonia. Uh, you know Patagonia, right? They're about improving the environment. They believe that we're living in a, in a time of environmental disaster and, and they want to do something about that. And, and this permeates every aspect of how they do business. So they will only hire employees who are passionate about the environment. As an employee of, of Patagonia, you can take time off to go work for an environmental charity. Every year they donate 1% of uh, revenue or 10% of profits, whichever is larger, to environmental charities chosen by the employees. And somebody told me recently that they are now uh, redesigning all of their stores to be not just Patagonia stores, but also environmental activity centers. So if you're an environmental organization and you need a place to meet and organize, you can do it in Patagonia stores. I mean, how cool is that, right? So, so every single aspect of their business is not about improving their bottom line. It's about improving the environment. This, that, this also influences um, their production. So for instance, they, they spearheaded the production of organic cotton which nobody was making before, and, and, and now a lot of farmers are because there's a, they demand it for their products. So that's an example of a company that really lives this on, on every level of their business. Yes, and, and I've seen them doing repairs and selling second-hand gear, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, not because it impacts their bottom line, but because it reduces their impact on the environment. Yeah, for, uh, for Black Friday a few years ago, the, the biggest shopping day in the U.S., they actually had a a full-page ad in the New York Times with a picture of a Patagonia jacket and then a text that said, don't buy this jacket. <laughs> and then there was a long uh, manifesto basically about how overconsumption is ruining the environment, encouraging people to you know, repair an old jacket, buy a used jacket, get an old jacket from a friend, 
And only if you can't do any of those things should you buy this jacket. What's the happiest? What's the happiest company you spent time with? Oh man, that is, that is so hard to say, right? Because I've vis- I visited a ton of happy companies. I've been because to Google lo- because the, because the people you don't mention will then be upset that they're not your happiest. <laughs> that that too. <laughs> um, and 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 the thing is, they're happy in very different ways. So I went to Google, very happy organization, and you know, there's a lot of a lot of tech people, so they're happy in one way. I went to a really happy organization in Zappos. I've been to their headquarters in Vegas, I don't know, five times. And it's, it's one of those, you know, you walk into the office and you can just feel that this is a good place. I talked to one of their employees and she said, you know, every morning I drive into work, I, I park my car in the parking lot, and then I can just, <sighs> now I can relax. That's how she put it, right? There's a bank in Denmark called, and I'm not kidding, it's called the Middlefart Bank. <laughs> because there is, in fact, a town in Denmark called Middlefart. It means middle of the travels, middle of your travels, middle of your trip. And, and this is a fairly small bank, about 300 employees. I visited them a couple of times to study how, how they became so happy. And, and this is just, you know, again, a place where people love to work, but, again, but a very different atmosphere compared in this bank, in a financial institution compared to an online retailer like Zappos. So these are all examples of very, very happy workplaces, but each in their own way. And that's what's so cool about it. Because of the CEO down? I would say in, in what unites a lot of really happy workplaces, I would say all happy workplaces, is that they have top leadership who believes in, in happiness and take happiness seriously. Because if, if top leadership doesn't do that, if they're not ready to make happiness one of their top strategic priorities, it's only a matter of time before they'll start making decisions that, let's say, uh, improve the bottom line while at the same time hurting happiness at work, right? Only if you have leadership, really committed leadership that strongly believes that happiness work is the way forward, only then will this be sustainable over any period of time. And, and I think you see in some workplaces, maybe even many workplaces, you see top leadership paying lip service to the idea of happiness at work. You know, you may see in their values that we value our employees or employees are our number one asset or whatever. But then when, that's what they say. And then when you look at what they do, they are consistently prioritizing uh, short-term profits over employee happiness, which is really stupid because when you hurt employee happiness, you're hurting your bottom line down the road. A good example of the opposite is Quicken Loans in uh, Detroit. We visited their headquarters in, in Detroit a couple of years ago. They have 20,000 employees. Uh, they do mortgage loans. And their CEO, Dan Gilbert, he said, numbers and money follow, they don't lead. I was just going to ask you about that. What are the sort of leading indicators? You said earlier that if you're a man, any manager worth his salt will know whether his employees are happy. And, you know, there should be some more positive praise. What are the daily behaviors or weekly behaviors? What are the habits that great organizations get into, do you think? A lot of this, and I think this is really interesting. This is a really interesting question because I think it's about many small, regular behaviors rather than just a few rare, big ones. Okay? So you may say, let's, let's have a, we want to have a happy organization let's have a huge summer party next summer. And that's fine. That's a great idea. But that's one party one day out of the year. What do you do the rest of the year? Right? So I think a lot of this is about 
It's about figuring out what does this look like on a day-to-day basis and, and how do we create that feeling of results and relationships on a day-to-day basis. And, and some of it is ridiculously banal, like praise and recognition. You can do that every day. You could do that multiple times a day. A really stupid one that we sometimes have to teach our clients is say good morning. You know, do you actually, when you, when you come into work in the morning, do people actually say good morning and, and, and acknowledge each other's existence? Or do people just come in and sit down and start working? So a lot of this, it, again, it's not going to look the same in, in, between all organizations, but a lot of this is stunningly banal. And it is about how do we create that feeling of results and relationships? Do we, do we help each other? Are we there for each other? You know, if somebody is struggling, do we actually notice and, and, and help that person? Very, very simple one is uh, a random acts of workplace kindness. Are we nice to each other in the workplace? So a lot of this can really be boiled down to, to simple daily behaviors that, that create this feeling that we do great work and we, we actually value each other's company in the workplace. If somebody's looking at, you know, listening to this podcast and thinking, that sounds great, how do I, what, what resources have you got? I know you've written a couple of books. What, where, should, where should people go and, and look at the material that you've produced? Three words, read my book, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, there's definitely our books. And we, we wrote, uh, I wrote uh, Happy Hour is 9 to 5 back in 2006. And that sort of goes over the basics of happiness at work and what it is and what makes us happy at work and results of relationships and all of that. And then last year, my latest book came out and it's called Leading with Happiness. So this is very much about what an organization can do and what, what managers can do. But in addition to that, uh, the, the, the place to start is probably our blog, which is at positivesharing.com. And there are literally hundreds, uh, there are actually now thousands of articles on there on happiness at work and great videos and links and exercises and tools that people can look at. We give a lot of that stuff away. We just want as as many people, as many employees, as many managers and as many companies uh, as possible to do something about it, which is why we give so much of our our materials away and and you'll find all of that on the blog. Uh, There's also a newsletter that people can sign up for uh, on the blog, which is also free that we send out about a month, once a month with uh, tons of tips and ideas. What's your motivation for this mission that you're on? Why, why did you become the chief happiness officer? Yeah, well, I, I came out of the tech industry myself, so we're you know kind of similar backgrounds. And when I left it uh, 15 years ago, I, I sort of asked myself, what is my true passion in life? And while while IT and tech is awesome and a, a really fun field, I realized that my true passion is happiness at work. And I think for me, it comes out of you know both it comes out of personal experience both having tried jobs I loved and having tried jobs I absolutely hated. Um, it, come, it came out of that. And, it, and also from seeing other people, you know, from seeing what happened to, to friends and family when they were in jobs they hated and how that can wear a person down. I, and I think it, it came out of seeing that. The, the thing is, I think the main thing that drives me is this. We live in a world where work is not optional. You must work. Unless you're born to billionaire parents, uh, you'll have to work. And you'll actually, not only will you have to work, you'll have to spend most of your waking hours at work. And given that this is the way the world is, I think we owe people good work. I think we owe people work they can actually enjoy that will build them up and not break them down. Work that will actually, that, that they will want to do, where they will wake up most mornings excited to go to work. 
and and work that you know makes their lives better, richer, more interesting, more fun. I think we owe people that, and I think we owe them to definitely not do the opposite and and create workplaces that are ruining people's lives because that is that is the true the true cost of a bad workplace. It's it's not financial. It's it's measured in human lives because we know that being unhappy at work can break down people's it can ruin people's careers it can ruin their health can ruin their private lives can ruin their relationships it can ultimately kill people we know that people who hate their jobs have increased mortality rates from strokes and heart disease and cancer just to mention a few so i think that is what drives me just this very idea that how we feel at work has such a huge effect uh, on us not just at work but also in the rest of our lives and i think we owe people good jobs two things one is other than your books is there a is there another book you would recommend people read oh there are there are tons oh go on give um, me give me a few then give me a few <laughs> if, if picking one is too hard give me a few. yes what i i have a real weakness for case stories because i'm a, i'm a, at the at the end of the day i'm a practical man i like to see how people have done this in real life and some of my favorite case stories i'm just going to mention three uh, i mentioned zappos and the CEO of Zappos is a man called Tony Shea, and he wrote a book called Delivering Happiness. Have you read it? I have. Isn't that, isn't that book amazing? It's a fantastic story. And then, and then, you know, going all the way through and then saying, okay, well, you know, we've created an amazing workplace. Now we've moved the office to a different location. Now let's make the location of our new office an amazing place as well. Inspiring. Yes. And, and very practical and very, I, I love that book. It's, it's a great book, great story. Another one that I really like is by Bob Chapman, uh, Robert Chapman, and the book is called Everybody Matters. Have you read that? No, I don't. Oh, think I that book—it's phenomenal. And what I love about that is, it's is that <laughs> it's his personal journey, because he was raised, educated as a hardcore businessman. So he had you know a business degree, and he learned you know that what matters in business is profits, and and making money, and that was it. And then at one point, he sort of has this near spiritual awakening where he realizes that there are actually more important things than that and that everybody matters, hence the title of the book. And, and so he took his company, which is called uh, Barry Waymiller, uh, industrial company with 14,000 employees around the world, and, and made it a human workplace where people love to work. And the book describes how he does it. And this is in, you know, with factory workers, blue-collar workers. You know, so, so a very different uh, workplace compared to Zappos, which is more customer service and online retail. And the third book I'll mention, which is one of my absolute favorites, because it shows how far you can take this idea. That is uh, The Seven Day Weekend by Ricardo <laughs> Similar. Have you read that? Yes. Yes, I've read that. And also I read his first book, Maverick. And I, I think that might have been one of the first business books I read. And Me too. So I suppose probably set me on this entire journey. That Me too. It was yeah. one of those books where you go, oh, my God, this is possible. This is so awesome. You can do it. The story from there that I, that still sticks with me is that he got a requisition for more filing cabinets. And then they decided that, in fact, they probably stored loads of stuff they didn't need. So they, had a, they threw a load out, sold a load secondhand rather than actually buy any. And uh, I remember going into the office the next, the next day and clearing out. I think I got rid of all of the files and all of the filing cabinets. <laughs> and, and then my secretary asked me what her job was if it wasn't to file stuff. 
And I said, well, we'd have to work that out because I was never looking in these filing cabinets ever again and we were throwing them away. So it's, it's, that, it's that sort of light bulb moment. I just I thought it was a fantastic book or both, both books yes. are fantastic. And that's what I admire about you, right? Because you do this stuff. You're not just thinking as a, as a leader, you're not just thinking this is nice, we should do this. You've actually done a lot of uh, so many cool things uh, in your companies that also inspired us, which I think is fantastic. And, and, and at the end of the day, that's, that's the... That is the key, you know, happiness at work is something we do. And if you want a happy workplace, it's not about, it's not about values, it's not about uh, missions, it's not about, you know, policies, it's about how do we act? How do we treat each other on a day-to-day -day basis? It's about action and not, it's, it's not about, you know, values, it's how do we treat each other? I've got one, one last question, which is, if you, I suppose you could, if you went back to the beginning, and you could do it all again, what would you do differently? That's, that's a great question. And I think that what I would have to do differently is maybe sharpen the message even more. Maybe not be, you know, quite so eager to be liked and quite so eager to, to sound reasonable and fair and, and so on. Maybe to go out there and be more of a firebrand and say, listen, treating employees uh, badly is ethically wrong and you should not be allowed to do it. This is not just a question of HR policies. This is a matter of life or death for a lot of people, depending on how we treat them. You know, working in an organization is going to affect people's lives to a very, very high degree. And we owe them, we owe them good treatment. We owe them to treat them in a way that makes their lives better overall. That's very much the message that came out of my, my last book, uh, Leading with Happiness, where actually I actually make the point that 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 uh, the way many organizations is run uh, that actually breaks people down is it's it's morally wrong. It's I don't really want to use the word evil, but it kind of is. That's what I, I would have liked to arrive at that sooner and and not be afraid to phrase the message quite that you know provo provocatively maybe. Well, thank you very much indeed, Alex, for taking the time to talk to me today. My absolute been, pleasure. Been fantastic. I hope to see you soon. <laughs> you got it. The Melting Pot was hosted by Dominic Monkhouse and you can find out more about Dom on LinkedIn. Just search for Dominic Monkhouse or his companies Foundry Media or Foundry 51.